Well, it's good to see you this morning, and uh, glad to be able to be with you this morning. I have to tell you, I've had a had a, a nice little challenge in my life the past several weeks, but it's getting better, getting better. And I uh, thank you for all your prayers, and um, appreciate appreciate that very much. Well, this morning, you know, we've been talking about God's gift to us and our gift back to Him, and this morning I want to talk with you about everybody's favorite subject, and that is um, our tithes and offerings. <laughs> what God's plan is for that and why that's important. And uh, we're going to look at a couple of portions of Scripture. Uh, we're going to be primarily in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning. But I want to begin by just sharing with you a, a story that uh, came about a number of years ago. And uh, there was a baseball umpire by the name of, of Derwood Merrill. And uh, he tells a story about his very first year umpiring in the major leagues and uh, he said that it was the first time that he'd ever called balls and strikes with that that uh, that pitcher Nolan Ryan anybody here ever heard of Nolan Ryan he, he was a tremendous baseball uh, player and uh, he's in the Hall of Fame and just an incredible pitcher he had an incredible fastball but but uh, Derwood Merle is, is, tells the story and he said that uh, he said that the, the second pitch of the game, he said, was just the, the, the second pitch. The second pitch was just so fast that he never saw it. And uh, he, he froze. He was unable to make the call after the pitch came over. And, um, and then finally, he cried out in a weak voice, and he said, strike, kind of tentatively like, you know. And about that time, the batter, I wish I knew who the batter was, but the batter that was, that was at the plate, he stepped out of the box and he said, Up, don't feel so bad. I didn't see it either. <laughs> you know, the words of honesty there. Uh, things were moving so fast that neither one of them saw the ball come across the plate. And sometimes it's like that in our personal lives, particularly it seems like in our world today. Things are moving so fast uh, you know, it just seems like oftentimes uh, if you're paying attention to what's happening, there's something that happens and then before you know it, something else has happened and it's hard to tell which way the ball is coming or which way it's going or whether it's across the plate or somewhere out in ball territory. And sometimes because life is moving like that, we, are, we, we might be, if we're not aware of God's Word and unless we understand the truth of God, we may be misinformed or mis, we may misunderstand the right approach to life or the right way to call the ball coming in. Is it a strike or is it a ball, so to speak? You know, and, and, and as we're thinking about that this morning, you know, I'm reminded that the Scripture tells us in First Tim, excuse me, in Second Timothy, that all Scripture is God-breathed. It's profitable for doctrine and reproof and for the training of God's man and, and that he may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all goods, good works. It's a reminder to us that God's Word, the Bible, has clear instructions about things in life. And while the Bible may not address something like brain surgery, we know the principles of the Bible, the truth of the Bible can be applied in all things. 
And so this morning I want to talk to you about the application of God's Word as it relates to our finances. You know, it's amazing to me how uh, people can come to faith in Christ and somehow they believe that God should have control of every part of their lives except when it comes to their finances. The idea that they would know better about what to do with their money than what God's Word teaches about money. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And to do that, we're going to find ourselves in the book of 2 Corinthians. So I'm going to take your, if you would, please take your Bible and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to read this passage together. While you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just so you'll realize, you know, the Scripture has a lot to say about money. When you look at the parables that Jesus told, a lot of them had to do with money. Uh, a lot of them had to do with our view of material things and how we, how we uh, ought to view resources. And Jesus was very plain in his teaching that, that we ought to understand that money is a stewardship. It's a gift from God for us to steward, not to, not to own, but something for us to manage. The Bible is very clear that God owns everything in the world. The, you know, and Pastor Sean talked about that last week, I believe it was, that, that everything belongs to God. It's all His. He owns everything. But we are blessed and we are benefited if we have certain resources in our lives so that we can use that for the glory of God and for the good of the kingdom. And as I think about that this morning, I think about the the capacity that's right here in this church. I look out and see incredibly gifted people. Some of you are using your gifts for, for music. Some of you are using your gifts of hospitality. Some of you are using your gifts for administration in the church, and you're, you're doing things that need to be done. Some of you are using your gifts, and you're being good stewards of the many multitude of gifts that God has given you so that His kingdom might grow and prosper. And this morning, I just want to share with you that, that when we think about finances, we ought to understand that finances and earthly resources can be used for the glory of God to build and grow His kingdom. I know that many times... Uh, uh, some will get on a hobby horse of giving and they'll make a big deal out of how people ought to give and continue to give. And, and it seems like that's all they talk about sometimes. And I just have to tell you that we don't talk about giving all of the time, but we do recognize that tithes and offerings, your gifts, through a local body of believers, we understand that to be the way that God grows the kingdom and the way that God strengthens His church, reaching the lost. And so this morning, as we look at God's Word, I want to share with you a little bit from this passage of Scripture as we look at this passage this morning, just as a reminder to those of us who, who have read this in the past, the Apostle Paul is, uh, sent, has sent this letter to the church at Corinth. It's 2 Corinthians, which is why it's called 2 Corinthians uh, in the Bible. It's the second epistle that we have that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church. And he wrote to the church earlier and encouraged them to make a financial pledge, an offering to help the believers in Jerusalem. The reason for that was because the church... In the first century in Jerusalem, they were under financial attack. 
Many of the believers who were there had been uh, put out of the synagogue. They were persecuted. Their businesses were, uh, were, Im- were impaired and, and, and facing uh, resentment of the people there because they had turned away from Judaism and they'd turned to Christ. And those who opposed the church there, they just could not, did not realize that Jesus was the Messiah. And therefore, they saw these early believers, they saw them as turncoats, as traitors. And so they were not very kind to them. And the church there in Jerusalem had a number of believers who were struggling. And so the Apostle Paul, had, had, uh, who had founded this church in Corinth, He had wrote to them, he had talked with them about taking up a financial offering to help the church. Now you'll remember in the book of Acts, the church also took up offerings because there were a number of folks in the church that were struggling and and they uh, they took up the offering in the book of Acts to help the church, to help the widows who were missing their daily food and things like that. And so at that time, there was a need for people to contribute so that believers would be able to have life. And then as we get a little bit further on, we find that giving is part of what God has called us to do in order to grow the kingdom. And the Apostle Paul talked about the fact that that the missionaries that went out and the preachers that were there, they were worthy of their hire because God had called them to preach the gospel. And without the support of the churches, that would fail. You know, as I think about this passage this morning... I'm aware that there are some who, again, as I said earlier, sometimes they just believe that maybe the Bible doesn't have a whole lot to say about finances. But i got to tell you something. The Bible has a lot to say about money and resources and how it's used. And this morning, if you're here and uh, and maybe you've been here the past several weeks and you've heard a number of messages about money and about church and that sort of thing, and it's kind of got you to a place where you think, maybe I just don't think I need to go back to church because all they do is talk about money. I want to just ask you to take a deep breath and think about that for just a moment. How does God's church do what she does to preach the gospel? How does God's church make an impact around the world if those who were members of the church don't give to that enterprise? How does God's church reach the youth of a nation, of a city, so that they grow up and have respect for authority and love for right and wrong. How does that work if God's people don't provide for the resources to make that happen? You know, I have to be honest with you. As I look at what's going on in our world today, and they have all these scenes of violence and anarchy and, and drug abuse and all of these things, the answer that I keep coming back to in all of these things is not necessarily that the government needs more programs. It's not fundamentally that we need more law enforcement, although I think we do. 
But I come back to the same conclusion over and over again. These people need to understand what right and wrong is all about. They need to understand there's a God in heaven who loves them, who's made provision for them. And if they refuse to accept Him and they refuse to adhere to His will and His way and His word, there is danger, there is the prospect of of eternal hell, and certainly there is the prospect of sorrow because sin takes a toll on people and we see it daily the answer my friend is for people to know the Lord accept him and to walk in a way that is pleasing unto him and how does that happen if God's people don't preach and teach and provide opportunities for people to know and grow in him you know, I, I just, uh, I shudder to think some of those cities, cities like Portland and where anarchy just seems to reign. Cities like San Francisco where the open air drug use has destroyed a city. How does that happen? Well, it, it, it starts right in the very soul of humanity. And if people can't discern right from wrong, if people don't have God in their life, then essentially anything goes. And so I I share that with you this morning kind of as a prelude to this message because I really want you to understand that tithing and offerings given to the kingdom of God to be used through the local church make a difference in communities and cities and families. And when we fail to understand the crucial need of God's Word and and for families to be equipped and strengthened in the Word of God and for, uh, for, for husbands and wives to learn what it means to love one another through the Word of God, when we fail to lift up the sacrifice of Jesus and what He has done for us on Calvary, and when the men have no hope, people have no hope, and their lives just spiral out of control. And this is why it's so important that we learn to handle our finances in a way that is glorifying to God that grows His kingdom. So this morning, what I want to do is kind of give you a an abbreviated message this morning. And there's some things that I want you to see in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And the first thing that I want you to see is that, it, well, this is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, but, but I want you to understand that it was a normal occurrence in the early church for the people to gather together on the first day of the week. That day is the day that we call Sunday. I know everybody feels like the week starts with Monday, but really the first day of the week is Sunday. And if you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number 2, the Apostle Paul gave them instructions for their gathering. And he said, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Now he's talking about the offering that they would be taking up for those in need whether it be those in need in the city of Corinth or those in need in Jerusalem. And as we think about that, the the principle of giving to the Lord through a local body of believers, it was established back in the Old Testament, 
and it carries on today in the New Testament. And I want to talk with you about those things here. So just in looking at that passage of Scripture, I want you to notice there's an incredible promise in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And there's a, a promise for the promise of kingdom of God giving. This is, this is in, in verse number 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. What we see is there is a proportional blessing to those who make it a point to give to the work of God through the local church, the local body of believers. Notice, if you will, what it says. It says, Paul says, the point is this, verse 6. He says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Of course, the Apostle Paul wants there to be a really good offering from the church at Corinth, but he also wants them to understand this law and this principle that is true. And that is, whoever gives to the kingdom of God in a generous manner can expect a generous blessing back from God. It also tells us that anyone who gives in a sparing manner will reap sparingly. This is the law of giving and receiving. It's, a, it's the law of sowing and reaping. It's the idea that your gift to God is going to return a blessing into your life. It could be a, 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 a bountiful blessing and it, or it might be a sparing blessing. But the Bible is very clear that when we give to the kingdom of God, through the local church, when we give to some ministry, and by the way, we have a lot of ministries that are, we're involved in at this church. I mean, you heard uh, some of the, 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 the things that are going on here today, but uh, Hope 127, a mission in Liberia. We actively participate in Operation Christmas Child. Uh, we have a, a ministry that, that works with women who are pregnant or think they're pregnant or families who are about to bring a child into the world to help them. We offer food and clothing, and all of these things are different ministries that require us to provide resources for those things. We have a student ministry, a children's ministry that, man, those guys are going all the time, and it's really all about providing an opportunity for us to preach and teach Jesus, to encourage people in the truth of God so that they might find the blessing and the abundant life in Christ. And that's what we believe. That's what we teach. That's where our, our efforts are aimed at those things. And, you know, the Bible makes it very clear that when we give, we can expect a proportional blessing. Now take your Bible, if you will, and go to Proverbs chapter 11. I want you to see this passage. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25. Again, God's Word instructing us about how to use the resources that we have. Proverbs 11, verse 25. Look what this says. It says, Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. And one who waters will himself be watered. This is a, a promise that when we give, that when we serve, that when we take the resources that God has given to us and we use those resources in His name, there is a promise that we will receive a blessing. God has favor on those 
who bless others. Take, take your Bible, if you will, and go to Proverbs chapter 3 just a moment. Proverbs chapter 3, I want you to see this. A very clear word, and I'm going to be reading this from the NIV. Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the firstfruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. There's a promise there that when we honor God with material blessing, that He in turn returns a blessing to us. You know, as I think about this world, I know that the Scripture is very plain and very clear that everything belongs to God. And it's funny to me how, as human beings, we're so prone to the idea that, that the resources that God, has, that God has allowed us or brought into our lives, we have an idea that we're going to hoard those resources or that they're all there because we were able to do it ourselves. You know, we're like the self-made man or woman. We did it by the sweat of our brow and this sort of thing. Listen to me. Everything that you have is a reflection of God's blessing in your life. He gives good gifts. And those good gifts are not meant for us to hoard. Those good gifts are meant for us to share. And there's a promise that God gives us, and that is that He will bless those bountifully who sow bountifully. He wants them to understand that their giving is not a giving that will not make a difference. It will make a difference for all eternity. Secondly, I want you to notice in verse number 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, our focal passage this morning, there's a pattern for giving, for kingdom of God giving. And this denotes the, the the proper offering, how we can give properly. First of all, in verse number 7, it says that each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This passage tells us that our giving of our tithes and offerings, it should be something that is decisive. It's something that should be thoughtful. It's something that should be calculated and determined. And it's not something that we just, uh, you know, we, we're, we should not let our giving be motivated by our feelings. Because, friends, if you let your giving be motivated by your feelings, all it's going to take is one bad report of the stock exchange and you might decide, uh-oh, I can't give now. <laughs> you know? Or, or it might because there's some bill that came in or because, I mean, if you rely on your feelings you will not really be able to give in the way that God wants you to give because when you think about this, it says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. It's based on your capacity. Now, how do we determine our capacity for giving? How do I, how do I determine my capacity for giving tithes and offerings? Well, i got to go home and look at the bucket that I have that includes the resources that I have. How big is my bucket? You know, I, I look at my salary. I look at the, the resources that God has put at my disposal. 
Someone has said, you know, uh, everybody has a, a certain length of rope of resources, and sometimes our rope of resources seems to run out before we get to the, you know, to the ground, so to speak. But, but the bottom line is we have to kind of evaluate where we are and how much we can give. Now, in the Old Testament, it was pretty cut and dry because it was very clear that they made it very clear that you were to give a tithe of your increase. You were to take that and give that to the temple. And some say, well, that was just the beginning because really when you begin to add up the tithing of the Old Testament, it really worked out to about 23% of a person's income. They had a tithe uh, that was used for the Levites. They had a tithe that was used uh, for the temple. They had a tithe that was offered for the feast and, and a tithe for the poor of the land. And once you got through adding all of that up, it looked like about 23, some say a little bit more, some say a little bit less, but all of that factored in what God expected the people to bring in as an offering, as a tithe. Now, God doesn't need our money, friends, but God gives us the opportunity to participate in the kingdom growth through the giving of our time and our resources and our treasure. And I'll tell you something else that God does. When God gives us an opportunity to give, He also gives us an opportunity to be free from covetousness. Because God understands humanity and how we are so prone to want to hold on to everything ourselves. And we do our best sometimes to make sure that we have enough. But, but the problem is that because of that, we cling to something that is transitory and fleeting. And riches and money, they are fleeting. Our supply is of the Lord. And so when we think about the offering, we, we want to be decisive. We want to go look at the capacity we have. What is my income? What is my expenses? What is my debt load? How do I determine what I can give to God? I have to look at all of these things. And in the Old Testament, the tithe was a pretty standard thing. In the New Testament, we kind of see the tithe as a beginning point. 10% of our increase. As I look at my finances, as I look at my expenses, as I look at my income, the top 10%, I just automatically want to give that to the Lord. And then, you know, however God blesses me, I, there might be a little bit more. But if I'm in debt and I have to pay off debt, I do the best I can. I want to get myself in a financial position so that I can be generous to the things of God. And each family has to, has to concern themselves with that to understand what to do. Let me give you a couple of verses. First of all, you need to know your resources. Proverbs 27 Verse 23, 27, 23, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. This is a passage that tells us that we need to know about our finances. We need to understand that, give attention to that. Uh, Proverbs 21, 20, it, it speaks to us about not consuming all that we have, but having some left over. Proverbs 27, 21, 20 says, Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. We need to be careful about what we do with our resources. 
And so in the Old Testament, as I said, the, the standard was the tithe, and they had multiple tithes. And when we get to the New Testament, the Bible does not give us an exact percentage, but it, it tells us that when we determine it, we need to be able to say, this is what I think I can do. And certainly the tithe would be a good starting point. Secondly, I want to just share with you that there's another thing that we see in verse number 7 about the, 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 the way uh, that we are to give the pattern. And that is it's voluntary. There should never be a sense of giving out of a mandate to give. In other words, when I put my tithe or my offering into plate, and by the way, we have offering boxes back here, and many people now give online. But when we give, we ought to understand that this is something that we've decided in our heart. It's voluntary. No one should tell you, you have to do this, and then as a result, you give based on that, that sense of obligation. This is something you come to a conclusion about in your heart, and every home does that, every household. Everyone must give as he has decided in his heart. And then we ought to be giving with a note of gladness. The pattern includes a sense of gladness. Notice what it says, that we do not give reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now the word that's used in this passage for giving and for being a cheerful giver is the Greek word hilaros, hilaros. It's the, the word from which we get our English word hilarity. And sometimes people might confuse us because they might think, well, when you give, you just ought to give with a sense of laughter or a, a sense of being overcome with mirth or humor. That's not what this means. Th this word literally means that we should be able to give in a voluntary sense, deciding what we can do and to be able to give with a sense of joy and gladness. This is the idea of being able to contribute with a sense of happiness that we can do this to advance the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that God loves that kind of giver. Giving that has a note of gladness, giving that is voluntary, and giving that is calculated, decisive. We understand this is the pattern that the apostle lays out for the church at Corinth, and it's a good pattern for us as well. Now, the, the, the third truth that I want you to see in this passage is that, that there's also a, an assurance here, and that has to do with the provision for kingdom of God giving. This is, in other words, this helps us to understand that when God has blessed us, He's provided for us, and out of that provision, then we are able to make provision for others. Notice what it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, through which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. The Apostle Paul was helping the church to understand that God was their provider, that He would meet the needs of their lives, that He would give to them so that they could in turn give to others. It's about understanding that God is the source of our blessing. God is the source of our provision. Does, does that mean that, that tomorrow if I decided to, to write a check to somebody uh, in the name of the Lord and I wrote everything that was in my checking account that, that I would, that I would uh, not have trouble? Well, yeah, I would have trouble. I'd have trouble with my wife, number one. I'd have trouble with probably the people at the bank, too. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we have to be wise about these things. You know, you don't, you don't give based solely on your feelings, but you give based on a decision that you make, and the promise is that God will meet your needs. I want to encourage you, because I can tell you something. This church, which was founded over 100 years ago, this church was started, got started with a group of people who decided that they were willing to give sacrificially so that the church might reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for all of these years, this church has been preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've been discipling young people. We've been discipling adults. We've been helping marriages thrive instead of fail. We've been about the ministry of giving to those in need, providing food and clothing, and in some cases, shelter. We've done what God has called us to do. We've preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of that, God has continued to bless us through His people. I want to encourage you today. I know uh, this is one of those sermons that sometimes preachers don't like to get on because it's about money. And believe me, I'd rather preach on a lot of things besides money, but I understand that money and resources are an important part of our lives. And those that probably struggle the most with a sermon about giving to the work of the Lord are probably those who have some kind of issue related to covetousness in their own life. And so let me just say that God provides us an opportunity to be freed in some ways from that grip that resources and money can hold over our lives when we get to where we clutch it so tightly that we're unwilling to let God use it for His glory. The Bible tells us that God is the provider. But there's one more thing here that I want you to see this morning and I want to wrap it up with this. And, and that is, I want you to notice the profit of kingdom of God giving. Look with me at this passage, if you will. Verse number 12, it says, The ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession 
of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. You know, I have to tell you, when I think about writing a tithe check or when I think about clicking on that amount on the computer to give, I think to myself about those in this world that will hear the gospel because you faithfully gave or I faithfully gave so that we could broadcast the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. I think about those who will hear the gospel in Africa, those that will hear the gospel in, in the Cayman Islands. I think about those who will hear the gospel all over the world. I think about those who will hear the gospel maybe in a fresh and new way in, in Wildwood, Florida, or in the villages or wherever, and, and their lives have always been topsy-turvied, upside-down, confused, a mess, and one day the mercy of God breaks through all of that and their lives begin to understand the love of God and His goodness to them. And they cry out and they say, Holy, holy, holy art thou, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And they praise Him and they worship Him because you, you gave that the ministry might flourish. And I think to myself that one day when we stand in heaven together, that there will be people whose lives have been touched, and you never knew them in this world, but their lives were touched because somebody was faithful to give to a local body of believers. See, the tithes and the offerings that we take up and that we talk about and that we encourage, they're not just thrown down a wishing well. They are offered up to the kingdom of God and the glory of God. And because of that, the people who receive the blessing of the gospel will be thankful to the Lord and thankful for you. There's a wonderful, wonderful verse here that tells us that God, that these people whose lives have been touched, it tells us that they will pray and that they will thank God for you. And I want to encourage you, uh, as we, uh, you know, we, have, we have so many things that we do and so many things that we, we seek to accomplish, and sometimes it's easy to get lost in, uh, in different elements of the service. I mean, we get caught up in the worship, and then we get caught up in the Word. And, you know, the preachers get caught up in the Word, and some of y'all catch up on your sleep, and I understand that. <laughs> But I also understand that when you give and you get caught up in that joy of being able to contribute to something that makes an eternal difference in someone's life, when that happens, there is great profit in the kingdom of God, and you're a part of that. Well, we're going to have our, we're gonna have our, our, our I guess, um, Pastor Sean's coming up here, and he's going to close us in our, our worship song. We're going to stand in worship, and I want to encourage you to do Three things today. First of all, I want to encourage you to evaluate your giving and ask yourself, am I truly giving to the Lord in a way that is pleasing to Him? Only you know that. Only you know that. You and God. Secondly, I just want to ask you to think about making a commitment in your life to being a regular giver here, a tither. 
your faithfulness in this area enables us to do the things that we do. But it doesn't happen unless God's people decide to be a part of that. And thirdly, I want to ask you to think about your relationship with God. Is it just a one-sided affair for you where you get you expect God to continue to give and give and give but somehow you've forgotten that God expects you to give and give and give as well? Maybe God's calling you to a recommitment. Maybe maybe you've never experienced salvation in Christ. You know, it would be very hard for me to understand offerings and tithes without knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, if you're in that position, I can give you some, cut you some slack today and say, I, I, I hear where you're coming from, but once the Lord touches your life, once you know the peace that passes all understanding, once you understand His gracious gifts in your life every day, once you realize the, the assurance of knowing that one day you'll be with Him in glory. Once you experience that, then hopefully you'll understand why He is to be praised and worshipped and adored and we ought to participate in giving. So think about those three things. Your level of giving, your commitment to Him and whether or not you have Him. If you don't have Him, I encourage you to receive Him into your life. It'll change not just the way you think about morals and purity, but it'll change the way you think about your pocketbook. I promise you. (laughs) It will. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for Your Word this morning. Lord God, help us to be faithful in that which You've entrusted to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about First Baptist Church of Wildwood and our ministries, you can go to our website, fbcwildwood.org, our Facebook page, First Baptist Church of Wildwood, or our Instagram page, FB Wildwood. Have a great Jesus-filled day.